Hi, this is Taylor Stuber. And this is Sean Smithgall. We are both clinical pharmacists, faculty members, and your hosts for The Postgraduate Pharmacist. Welcome back, Sasso Squad, and any new listeners to another episode of The Postgraduate Pharmacist, where we're all about helping you separate and stand out as you prepare for postgraduate training. From current events to expert advice, we bring you up-to-date content every other Monday related to postgraduate training. Join the Sasso Squad today and follow us on Twitter at PG Pharmacist or Instagram and LinkedIn at The Postgraduate Pharmacist. And check out our website at postgraduatepharmacist.com where you can get all of our latest content. If you love the show and want to support what we're doing, check out ways to spread the word on our website or buy us a cup of coffee. We could always use the caffeine. All right. It is time to close out the first part of our Alternative Pathways series all about community pharmacy residencies. If you're a new listener, you may want to go back to episode 32. That's where we started this series. This episode is all about using community pharmacy residency programs to springboard yourself into more advanced training. I'm sad to move away from community residencies after this episode because we've learned so much. And we were talking in between the episodes about how much Taylor and I are just learning from you, Megan, and, and everything we've learned in this series that we had no idea about. But I'm also excited to be moving into our next series, which is going to be all about fellowship programs. And I couldn't think of a more perfect person to bridge the topics than our return guest, Dr. Megan Smith, who's an assistant professor and community pharmacy residency program director at the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences College of Pharmacy. Welcome back, Megan. Thank you. Glad to be here. So, Megan, we learned in our last episode that your postgraduate training experience took you through community pharmacy residency and then fellowship. Just diving into that detail there, like what went through your head switching from community pharmacy resident to fellowship and what made you tick that box on? This is where my career is taking me next. This is what I want to do. Absolutely. I was a P3 when I decided to pursue a residency. I thought, Okay, this is actually something that would help me get to where I want to go. Now, where do I want to go? At the time, it was, I want to be involved with community pharmacy practice. I like clinical services. I wanted to help that somehow. And so that was what I talked about on my residency interview. Now, if you also ask me as a P3, what are your long-term career goals? I'm like, well, I really like teaching. I think I should go back. I'll do that eventually. At the time, I thought that that was just something you did when you retired. Like you had to go and be a real person for a little bit. And then you got to come to the colleges of pharmacy and, and help teach. And that was just ingrained. Not that anybody told me that. It's just, I, I guess it's just what I thought um, of how it worked. And so when I completed my, in the middle of my residency, um, I, again, I entered in thinking I'm going to be working in community-based practice. I'm going to maybe work for a company, not really sure who, but maybe to help expand services. That's where my mindset was. And as I was completing my first research project with the it, within the residency program, it lit a brand new fire for me. I'm like, what is this? Um, I had completed before pharmacy school, I worked as a lab analyst at a chemical plant. Like, and so I did drug development <laughs> before that. And so my thought on research was bench work and being back in that time and space where I was talking to petri dishes. And I'm like, I didn't, I don't like doing this. I want to talk to people. <laughs> and so when I did my research project in the community residency program, I was just exposed to a 
brand new definition to me of what research is, the types of research, how and why and where and when. And one thing that actually got me almost upset about practice at the time was my project consisted of medication reconciliation. And in my mind, all I wanted to do, quote, air quotes, all I wanted to do was gather medication lists from various prescribers for the patients that I'm seeing and help to look at discrepancies and then share that information back out. And I became really distraught over that, that prescribers didn't want to give that to me. They thought that I wasn't a real provider. <laughs> I was like, but I'm filling their medication. <laughs> exactly. And they didn't want to give me the list. And I thought, this is crazy. And so then um, I was like, well, how do I fix this? And then I started looking around and realizing, oh, my gosh, if I am here at the pharmacy taking care of my patients, that's a full-time job. If I'm trying to answer that question of why are the prescribers trusting me with this information, that could be a full-time job. I was like, and then, I was like, oh, my goodness, community pharmacies need someone else to help them. Like it is a full time energy day in and day out to run and be that be the community pharmacist. You can't be the community pharmacist and the researcher and the person up presenting about it all the time. Like there's just not enough bandwidth, right, mm-hmm. to do that. And so as I was having all of these realizations, I, of course, talked to my mentors about it within the program. Again, I have that very structured time where I knew that I was going to be evaluated and get to talk about my goals and what I was struggling with. And so I talked about this and I said, you know, we need more. I need more training and research like because community pharmacies need research. We don't we don't know anything about it and we don't have time to do it. Who's doing all this research? And they're like, y'all residents are. <laughs> <laughs> And so I thought, well, I, well, what does this look like? And so that's sort of the conversations of what does it really mean and the eligibility of a faculty member? And so it really was midway through my residency year that we started thinking about a fellowship and getting more training in this research side, since we don't really get that as a pharmacy student, and what that could do in setting up a career in academia. So it took several months, lots of conversations, but I was just getting really more focused on, wow, I can do academia now? And I have the best mentor ever. She, we still work on projects together. And she said, yes, if you're good at it, you should do it. Don't wait. <laughs> and I thought, that is just amazing. You know, somebody telling you that if you're good at something and you really like it, don't let history determine what you know what you are going to do about it. And so I said, great. Well, I want more training in research and I want to be a faculty member because I feel like these community pharmacy practices need extra support. They need someone who has the the bandwidth and the capability to tell their story, to do the research on a wide scale. And so that's really what I'm doing now. And so uh, why I did the fellowship though is because I was like, I'm not ready to go straight into faculty. I want to learn more about research. And so that's that's what led to the decision of doing a community pharmacy-based research fellowship. Well, I <laughs> I was going to say that is so detailed, but the fact that you remember it that well is is awesome. <laughs> it, it must it shows us that it was a huge impact on your your career goals and the the amount of thought that was what you just told us. The amount of thought that went into it was probably substantial beyond that. So that's great. I, I love yeah. that you shared that. Me and Sean are just like, yeah, we'll do that. That's good. Like, <laughs> how did you get to be in a faculty? <laughs> two, two seconds. For, well, who's hiring for this? Oh, okay. <laughs> no, so. I, I really didn't think that it was a possibility until I was within the fellowship and, or within the residency program. And so, no, I did not start out even going to pharmacy school 
thinking, I'm going to do a residency and I'm going to do a fellowship and then I'm going to do. And so one of my advice to students is make the next best step, the, the decision for the next best step for you. Like you don't have to have the five-year goal, the 10-year plan, have all it figured out. What's the next best thing? Because there's a lot of options. There's a lot of ways. There's pluses and minuses to all of them. What's the next best step? And then for me, it was, I took the step of residency and then that led to the next step of, well, oh, now what can I do? And that led to the fellowship. I, I never would have thought about a fellowship until I was six months into my residency. So in your opinion, how common is it for a PGY1 community pharmacy resident to go into community residency for the purpose of further training? I would say I'm the, we're the exceptions rather than the rule. Most of the folks who do a PGY1 community-based residency will, most of them will be able to pursue and, and go straight into a, a full-time position that they, that they desire. A smaller percentage of them will decide to do further training. And then even a smaller percent of them will think about this fellowship thing because it's an extra two years. I like, I did three years of postgraduate education. I don't recommend that for everybody. The folks who want to go into advanced training, either as like maybe a PGY2, is because they want to learn more about usually it's a specific disease state or ambulatory care or setting up their own practices in ambulatory care and being a full-time clinician in partnership with the, like a primary care office, for, for example, or within a, it would be more even within a health system. Really great PGY-1 and 2 combination programs. And now we have some PGY-2s that are in like health management and leadership. So those are newer. And so I'm seeing, you know, we're seeing how that trends and if there's, more folks going into those. Into the fellowships specifically, most fellowships are designed to be around um, whichever institution is hosting them. So we do have five fellowships in community-based research like I did at five different colleges of pharmacy, and there may be more now, but I have the list over here. But it was like Ohio State and UNC and Purdue all have these same ones, and they are specific in, in to academia and helping you set up to be an academician full-time. And so it depends on your goals, and that's just not everybody's goal. So I wouldn't say that everyone going into a PGY1 community-based, like all of them are looking for a post-grad. It's really, at that point, it's going to get very specific. Your PGY1 is, let me grow as a person, a clinician, and into pharmacy and be exposed to a lot of things and really work on my time management. Then after that, it's, I know I want to get more into this specific area, whether it is a specific disease state, academia, or those, those things. So that's why I wouldn't say it's the majority of folks by any means. So Megan, you kind of mentioned with certain fellowship opportunities that community pharmacy residents go into, those tend to be based in the community, but looking at more of like the PGY2 residency training, are there certain types of PGY2s that you would say the graduates of PGY1 community pharmacy residency programs are more qualified for, or what types of those PGY2s are they going into? Yes, the most common PGY2 is ambulatory care. The PGY2 and ambulatory care. That's a really great step. A community-based residency is great transition into a PGY2 and ambulatory care. Now, that being said, a ASHP's rules and eligibility are if you've done a PGY1, it does not specify the type of PGY1. You are eligible for PGY2. So you are eligible to apply to any of the PGY2s, and there are a lot of them. There's only three different types of PGY1s. Well, there's over 20. I think there's about 20 specialty PGY2s. 
and you're eligible for any of those. Like, for example, there's a PGY2 in oncology. There's a PGY2 in critical care. You are eligible to apply for those. You would have a harder time and probably in trying to say <laughs> why I want to do this and that I have the expertise and I'm going to succeed in this one. But you're eligible, eligible to apply for those. What I do see most common are ambulatory care. Another popular one that I've seen is geriatric. And then the the leadership ones. There's one about um, corporate leadership or there's one that gives you like a master's in health administration. There's things like that. Those are also, um, I think Pro, the Kroger Corporation um, hosts uh, several of those PGY2s. And so that would be another really great setup for as a, from a PGY1 community-based residency. These are all great. And we're, we want to hear a little bit more, but we want to give you a chance to redeem yourself for only getting 50% of the questions right on the first episode you were on. So we have some more trivia for you right here. I'm going to start off. Mine's about another place you might be familiar with, which is Little Rock, Arkansas, aka La Petite Roche, which is literally named after a little rock, has some of my personal favorite feats of civil ingenuity, like the Big Dam Bridge, the largest pedestrian crossing, as well as other unique features. I'm sure, Megan, we could have an entire episode on just the fun things about Little Rock. But my question is about something that was invented in Arkansas that's, and especially Little Rock, Arkansas, that's been a part of my family for as long as I can remember. It's not anywhere near the fall, but it's never too late to talk about Thanksgiving. So everyone has their favorite Thanksgiving dish, and it just so happens that one of these famous Thanksgiving staples, and my personal favorite Thanksgiving staple, was invented in Little Rock, Arkansas. Was it canned cranberry, brown and serve rolls, instant pot gravy, or stove top stuffing? Wow, this is amazing. <laughs> I'm learning so much from these trivia questions. I'm going to say that I have no clue. So I'm going to say a random, random guess for the ready baked rolls. The brown and serve rolls? Yeah. Okay. Mm, I was thinking that, or. I'm going to go with, you said this is one of your personal favorites. Absolutely. And I, I just, I just can't That's see it. Cran cranberry. <laughs> he doesn't know me that well. <laughs> I don't know the cran, like cranberry. I mean, instant gravy, like that would be kind of odd, but I'm not out of the realm of possibilities. But so I'm going to say stovetop stuffing because I also really enjoy that. That is like a close second, if not tie for me for favorite, but it's actually the brown in serve rolls which to give you that mental picture, they're the ones that come in the package with the two lines on the top. You can easily pull them apart and spread some butter in there. Love those things. So next time you're chowing down on some awesome brown and serve rolls at Thanksgiving, just remember they were invented in the 1930s at Myers Bakery, right in Little Rock, Arkansas. All right. My question doesn't have to do with Little Rock or North Carolina. <laughs> <clears throat> but so I recently watched the new the Batman movie with Robert Pattinson. And we've seen a lot of different Batmans over the year played by different actors. We've seen people like Christian Bale. So there's been a lot of Batmans. Which of the following actors has not played Batman? Michael Keaton, George Clooney, Lewis Wilson, or Gary Cooper? I don't think George Clooney's played Batman. I'm going to say Clooney. I, I thought I knew the answer and then you threw me off with the with the last two can you just repeat the last two real quick yeah lewis wilson and gary cooper oh gosh 
I, I'm going to go with Wilson because I'm, I don't know, Cooper sounds more familiar, but I, I do remember, yeah. I don't want to, I tried not to do any facial expressions. I do remember the Michael Keaton and I do remember the George Clooney, although I tried, yeah. for, okay. I tried I to forget it, that one. I knew that one, but George sounded weird to me. Okay. Uh, it was a bad, it was a bad one with oh, Mr. Okay. Freeze. It had Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. <laughs> But well, the answer is actually Gary Cooper. Oh, Lewis Wilson is a not very well-known Batman. He he was the first Batman. I thought actually. that was the case. I figured one of them was the first iteration. I just don't know that far back. Yeah. So sorry about that. <laughs> it's okay. Oh, I'm still yeah. 50-50. So yeah, you're 50-50. <laughs> yeah. That's, hey, that's pretty good for, we're faculty. We We throw in some good distractors in there to kind of throw you off. So if I was a candidate, what advice would you give me while pursuing or actively completing a PGO-1 if that's what I wanted to do, for example, a fellowship? Like, what advice would you give me as one of your residents? Why? Do it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Simple. Uh, just as simple as that. I, I feel like when I'm in the mentoring role with current PGY1s, the thing that I end up repeating more often than not is just to do it. They tend to overthink things and not and kind of undersell themselves. And so I'm usually the one saying, no, you are more than qualified. You can do this. You got to show your passion and go for it. So that's what would might be my advice do it also we didn't talk about earlier i mentioned about fellowships usually being the purpose of them and the design of them is determined by whoever's offering it like the sponsor of them a lot of fellowships and the one that i completed is an academic academic fellowship so that's through a, a school or college or pharmacy but there are other types of fellowships too there are fellowships in industry and some of those require a residency but some of them don't so that could even be something a career or path that a graduate, if you're graduating this year, you could even think, you know, doing right after graduation is starting an industry fellowship. And so there's there's a variety of fellowships as well. And there's not a great place to find a, a central location to find all of them. The best one that I've come across, and you might be able to tell me if there's a better one through your elective, is the ACCP listserv. They're trying to bring in the fellowships and other things there. But if you're looking into industry, you are best to think about the company and then go and view their website and try to yep. find if they offer fellowships. And that's that's the resource we that's the only one we know about that's really good is the ACCP fellowship one and then their certification program that they'll have to even certify some of them sometimes if they're if they're more longstanding fellowships. Yeah. So the adage of have you seen one? Have you seen them all? Um, in this instance, every fellowship is very, very different. You can kind of group them by if it's, if it's an industry based versus an academia based, but you just, you don't know that until you look at the individual programs. So they're all very different and they have the flexibility to design it the way they want to design it and they need it for their goals. And so that's why they're very, very individualized. And that's the reason why you would choose to do a, a fellowship is that it's usually very specific and very individualized to that institution or that goal or that career path. So contrast that with residencies. They're more standardized and everybody's going to get the same amount of skills and be evaluated on the same skills across the nation, whereas fellowships are not accredited by a single organization. And so they have a lot of a lot of flexibility in what you're doing, the time, how you're doing it. In, in general, a lot of fellowships are somewhat related to research. So whether it's 
research academically, like in the academic ones, or if it's research like at a cancer institute, on those types of things, there's those those two. So you have to research a lot to find to find all of them. Or that's overusing the word research. You have to look into <laughs> each one of them. <laughs> you have to look into each one of them to figure out what they're offering and what the experience is and what the time and outcomes are. I think that's a great point because you're not just going to say, oh, I want to do a fellowship. All fellowships now apply to me and I can, I, you know, I should be looking at every single one and planning on applying to every single one, something like that. It's very individualized on your career set. So I think we've kind of answered the last question or do you have anything else in addition? No, my biggest advice is that you make the next best decision that's for you and you can and and allowing yourself that opportunity to learn new things and to learn about something you didn't you might not have known before and that's what happened in my personal experience hopefully you got that from my story um that i didn't know anything about fellowships or wanting to do that until it was the next decision for me to make and i loved how you said you don't have to have it all like we talk about five ten year goals but you don't have to have it all exactly planned out you can go into these saying, this is just where I see myself next. I like that. I liked when you said that this is where I see myself next and I'll figure it out. You know, when I get there, where I want to go from there and what that's going to transform into. And so I think this is something you don't have to necessarily have. If I want to do this type of fellowship and be just like Dr. Smith, I need to go into community residency and do that. You know, they can just have a general sense and say community residency is the best thing for me because that's, that's kind of the field I see myself and then growing from there. I think that's great. Exactly. I do think you need to have long-term goals. I will ask oh, you Oh, yeah. You, some. If you, interview <laughs> with me. Yeah, if you interview with me, I'm going to ask you about them. The difference is you have, a, a you know, these long-term goals, maybe five, 10 years of an idea, a field, a, a, an idea of things that uh, would you're passionate about and you make it to yourself doing, but you don't have to have the rigid steps one through 10 to get there. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's what you're you're saying. And yes, that's exactly. Yeah. yeah. One of my just looking at my own experience, the resident who came after me. So I interviewed for the person who was going to re- replace me. Most residents are part of the, the interview process for the next year. The one who came right after me at my particular uh, residency program insight, she did that pro- program. And then right after graduation, became faculty at Wilkes University and now we continue to work together and are super close and do everything together. And so she's able to do, we do a lot of similar projects and similar things. So that's just another example of someone who didn't do a fellowship like I did, but we're in the same area and we get to work closely together. And there's, there's many ways to get to your dream. So any last minute tips or advice you would like to leave the Sasso squad with? For those who are part of the Sasso squad, I would say that you are already up to date and now you're aware of what your PGY2 postgraduate or fellowship options are. And that's where you need to be right now. You just need to be aware of what your opportunities or what your options are. You don't need to make any more decisions than that at this stage. So congratulations. You're one step further. I think that is perfect advice for them right now. So thank you so much, Megan, for being a repeat guest on the show. You're welcome. I enjoyed it. Good luck, everybody. Congratulations. If you want to continue to hear up-to-date topics from us and our guests, please like and subscribe. You can listen to us for free on your favorite podcast app and check out our show notes below to see links and highlights of the episode. And remember, you can separate and stand out.